Thank you for tuning into The World Game, a World Cup podcast. The podcast that will have everything you need to know about the World Cup. There will be recap episodes throughout the tournament, so you won't miss a storyline. Maybe there was a 90th minute game winning goal. Maybe there was some controversy. Either way, we'll dive right into it. My name is Peter Roman. I've loved football all my life, and thanks for joining me on this journey. Before we get going, I'd like to talk about the migrant worker situation. It's a horrible human rights violation and tragedy that thousands of people died in the building of the infrastructure in the lead up to a sporting tournament. And so obviously my heart and my thoughts go out to the victims and the families of, you know, all the all the people affected by this horrible tragedy. And, you know, I'm doing this at the beginning of all my podcasts because I think it's important to remember these things and not push them aside because there's a sports tournament going on. So now on to the episode. All right. So today's episode, man, man, I love, love the World Cup. I just wish it wasn't run by FIFA. FIFA sucks. But the World Cup is such a fun tournament. I love this sport. And... This is the match day three review of groups E, F, G, and H. And I thought it was going to be hard for them to live up to what we saw from the first four groups on the final day of games. Man, I was wrong. Oh my god, there was so many good games. It was so exciting. It was just... Man, love. Love the World Cup. FIFA sucks. And I wish FIFA, like, anyone else ran this tournament. But, like, the World Cup is awesome. The World Cup is great. So... We're going to go alphabetically today and go through all of the games in match day three from these four groups. And then I'll mention who's playing who in the round of 16. My round of 16 preview, by the way, coming out later tonight. So be on the lookout for that because the round of 16 gets going on Saturday. So should be fun. Can't wait to watch because the knockout stage, there's no more margin for error. You got to win. And if you win enough games, you get to hold the ultimate trophy in all of sports. So we're going to start with Group E today. Group E had two games. We had Japan versus Spain, and we had Germany versus Costa Rica. This game, I can't explain how insane and how crazy and just ridiculous this group was. See, this group, everyone was still alive going into the final day. And, you know, I'm... In my preview episode, I mentioned that I thought this was the group of death. Well, it certainly lived up to that because at some point during these games, because of course the games are being played at the same time, during at some point during each of these games, every team was going through. And that's not a joke. Every team for at least a couple minutes was going through to the knockout rounds if results held the way they were in the two particular games. So I'm going to talk about both games at the same time. So, starting with the first half, Japan and Spain. Japan, not a good first half. Spain, really, really dominant. Japan tried to press Spain quite a lot in this first half, but it just wasn't very successful. Spain were playing out of the press really well. They were moving the ball. They were really intelligent with their runs. They did a great job of keeping possession, and they created way more chances. And they got the opening goal from Alvaro Marata, and they fully deserved to get the opening goal in this game. Japan, not a lot going for them in the first half. And so Spain led 1-0 at halftime, 
and a fully deserved lead, no doubt about that. Germany also led 1-0 at halftime thanks to a goal from Serge Gnabry, a really nice-headed goal for him, his first goal of the tournament. And so Gnabry put Germany ahead. They led 1-0. Not a lot going for Costa Rica in that first half. And so we had 1-0 Germany, 1-0 Spain at the end of the first half. So as things stood, we had Germany going through and Spain going through. That wouldn't last forever. Japan got off to a brilliant start in the second half as they got a goal in the 48th minute from Doan and Tanaka scoring what can only be described as a crazy second goal. See, the ball got played in on a cross and it was a little too far and so the Japanese player ran it down and it, not even joking here, millimeters. It is so tiny but the ball just stayed in play and it got played into the middle and Tanaka tapped it in. Japan in the blink of an eye led Spain 2-1. And so now Spain and Japan were both going through. Absolute madness, absolute craziness. Japan did that in the span of literally just a few minutes. And then turning our attention back to the Costa Rica-Germany game. Tejada scored in the 58th minute for Costa Rica to tie the game 1-1. And then, man, this was crazy. We had, I guess it's officially a Manuel Neuer own goal, but, I mean, Costa Rica really, you know, they made it happen. But it was Costa Rica taking the lead to go up 2-1, which meant at that moment in the game, it was Japan and Costa Rica going through with Spain and Germany going home. Unfortunately for Costa Rica, it didn't last that long because Germany scored with Havertz coming off the bench. He got two goals for them, and then they got a fourth one from Fulkrug late in the game. So Germany won 4-2. to two. So now we turn our attention back to the Japan-Spain game because in order for Germany to advance, they needed Japan and Spain to tie, or they needed to somehow beat Spain on goal difference, but that wasn't going to happen. Spain had a way better goal difference than they did. So it's 2-1 Japan. Spain needs to score in order for Germany to advance. If Germany doesn't get the goal from Spain, they're going home. Spain will finish second. Japan will finish first. Japan parked the bus for the last like 25 minutes of this game, and they were just desperate, just heaving the ball out. They were doing everything they could defensively, and they did a really good job. And then I think when Spain started to realize that they didn't need to get the win or even the tie anymore. They took their foot off the gas a little bit and Japan held on to win. Two on the final score. Germany win in the, in the other game four to two, but it is Germany and Costa Rica who go home and it is Japan and Spain that go through. Japan win the group. They beat both Germany and Spain, which is absolutely insane. And of course, the scenes from Japan were crazy. If you saw any of the pictures on social media or any of the videos, people going absolutely nuts, and rightfully so. It is one of the best group stage performances, maybe the best group stage performance Japan has ever had. I don't know if they've ever had a better one than the one they've had this year. And so they advance as group winners. Spain advance as the second place team to the round of 16. So congratulations to both Japan and Spain. For Costa Rica, I have to give them some credit because 
they lost that first game 7 nothing, And you could very easily just be like, oh, well, it's not our tournament. You know, we're not that, you know, these teams are better than us, blah, blah, blah. It's very easy to get discouraged. But Costa Rica went and beat Japan. They're the only team that beat Japan. And they gave Germany everything for 90 minutes. They gave them one hell of a fight. So I have to give tip of my cap to Costa Rica. They did not give up. They didn't quit. They kept fighting. And in the end, it wasn't quite enough for them. But they can at least leave with their head held a little bit high. For Germany, though, this is an absolute disaster. This is catastrophe on the highest level. Germany has just sucked the last several tournaments. In the 2018 World Cup, they finished last place in their group and went out in the group stage. At the 2020 Euros, they got out of the group but lost to England in the round of 16, and now they couldn't even get out of the group again. For Germany, I think a lot of questions have to be asked, and I think it might be time to just let the old guys go. I think the the older generation, obviously they helped Germany win a World Cup in 2014, and they will be remembered as heroes for that. But I think it's time to move on because this team should not be performing as poorly as it is in these big tournaments. So that was the craziness of Group E with Japan and Spain going through. Now on to Group F. So in Group F, I'm going to start with Canada and Morocco, and then I'll talk about Croatia and Belgium after that. So Canada's final group stage game unfortunately didn't really mean anything for them because Canada was eliminated in the last game when they lost to Croatia. So it was mostly about playing for pride. Unfortunately, they didn't play very well in this game. And Morocco clearly were just the better team from start to finish. And unfortunately for Canada, they, you know, there's a chance they could have gotten a result from this game. They had some good moments, but Milan Borian had a disaster class performance. This guy was so good for them in qualifying, and oh my god. The first goal, like, and, and granted, I will admit, the pass back was really bad, and that deserves at least a small portion of the blame. However, Borian, instead of kicking it, you know, to his own player, or out of bounds, or just anywhere but, like, Hakim Ziyech, because he kicked it right to Ziyech, who then had the easiest goal of all time to slot into the open net. Horrible, horrible blunder from Milan Borjan. And unfortunately, his day didn't get any better because the second goal from Morocco scored by En Nasiri, it was another shot that, like, Borjan should have saved. It was right beside him. Like, he just... I don't know what was wrong with Borjan. Like, maybe he didn't get enough sleep. Like, I, I don't know. He just... The second goal was really bad. The first goal was like almost 100% his fault. And the second goal he should have saved too. And then Morocco scored a third goal. It was taken back for offside. But it was a third goal that Borian got beat near post. And it's like, come on. Like, you can't win if your goalkeeper is just going to hand the other team goals. Like, Borian, absolute disaster performance for him. He was awful in this game. There's no way to sugarcoat that. I can't. I can't put any spin on this. Borian sucked. He really did. And it's unfortunate because, again, he was so important for Canada in qualifying, and I thought he was all right in the first two games, but awful, awful performance. And Canada's defending also sucked again. Their formation and their tactics, I think, were wrong again. But the game didn't mean anything, so it's not like the end of the world. But 
Sam Adekube made a nice play and got a goal for Canada. He didn't he didn't get credit for it because it went in off the Moroccan player, so it's an own goal and not Adekube's goal, but he still did all the work in setting up the own goal, so credit to Adekube. But not a lot of positives from Canada's performance, if I'm being 100% honest. So congratulations, though, to Morocco. Their win gave them top spot in Group F. And so Morocco win the group. They're the only African team to win the group in this tournament. And so credit to them. You know what? This was a tough group. And they came out and, you know, against, I think, most people's expectations, Morocco did really well in this tournament, and they deserve a lot of praise. They've played really well. They've been the most consistent team in this group, and they fully deserve first place. So, who got second? Well, Croatia and Belgium is a pretty simple game to explain because Croatia, if you look at the expected goals chart for this game, Croatia had less than one, and they scored zero total in this game. Belgium had like 3.3 and somehow scored zero. And the reason they scored zero goals in this game is because of Romelu Lukaku. Now, you could argue that, you know, maybe other players could have scored on other chances. And, you know, sure, you could argue that. But Romelu Lukaku, and, you know, I don't want to be too hard on him because he's coming off an injury and, you know, he wasn't fully fit. But he had four gimmies. He had four tap-ins. He missed all four. Now, if you're a striker, I get it. You know what? Sometimes you miss a sitter, right? Sometimes you miss a gimme. He had four. He had four. And he missed all four. Belgium should have won easily. Croatia wasn't very good in this game. They really got dominated. But Lukaku missed four gimmies. And Belgium weren't able to score outside of those, or weren't, weren't able to create like anything as good as that outside of that chance. So, or outside of those chances, sorry. And it's just, it's really bad. It's really, really bad. Like, man, Belgium drew this game with Croatia. And so Croatia go through as second place, as the second place team, and Belgium go out, the second ranked team in the world knocked out in the group stage i thought denmark was the biggest surprise of the tournament so far and i think belgium have just topped it embarrassing embarrassing tournament for belgium and this was a group the golden generation of belgium players like alderweireld and courtois and de bruyne and hazard and witzel and lukaku and they go out with a whimper and it has to be said, you know, when you're looking back at the legacy of this Belgian golden generation, they failed. They failed. This team did not, they didn't even, not only did they not win a trophy, which they were expected to do, and they had more than enough talent to win a trophy. Not only did they not win a trophy, they didn't even make a final. They didn't make a single final between the Euros and the World Cup. They didn't even make a final. That's a failure. This golden generation will be, will be remembered as failures, and it sucks. But that's the facts. This team was really, really good, and they couldn't get it done when it mattered the most. And it sucks because, you know, who knows how long it'll be before Belgium have a good, have a team even close to as good as this. But you got to get the job done in the big games that matter, and too many times they didn't get it done. And that's the story of the Belgium golden generation.
for Canada, I kind of talked about them a little bit more in the previous episode that I did. So if you want to listen to that, you can go listen to that. But for Canada, it's just the attention turns to 26. Most of the core players on this team are pretty young, and they will still be on the team by the time 26 comes around. Some of the players won't be, though. Atiba Hutchinson won't be on the team. Milan Borian might not be on the team. We'll we'll have to wait and see. Goalkeepers tend to have a little bit of a longer lifespan, but we'll have to see. Uh, Junior Hoylet's a player that might not be there next time. I guess we'll, again, we'll have to wait and see. But, you know, to the older players, you know, thank you for helping get Canada to this place. I never thought I'd see Canada's men's team actually compete in a World Cup. But uh, for the young players, you know, you got your mulligan. You got the feel-good story of the World Cup. Now, now you got to win some games. For the next World Cup, they better win some games. That's all I'm going to say. So, congratulations to Morocco and Croatia. They are through to the next round. And so we have Croatia will play Japan. Don't think many people saw that one coming. And then we have Morocco versus Spain on the other side of the bracket. Those are two very, very interesting round of 16 matches. I will have my preview on those in my episode coming out later tonight. Next up, we have Group G. So we had Brazil versus Cameroon, and we had Switzerland versus Serbia. I'm going to start with Switzerland-Serbia because this game had a lot on the line. This game was very entertaining, a five-goal thriller. Switzerland win 3-2 the final score. They open the scoring. Jordan Shakiri, all that guy does is score goals for Switzerland. And then Mitrovic tied the game, and then Vlahovic gave Serbia the lead only for Mbolo to tie the game, and then it was Fruller who scored to take the lead. The third Swiss goal, I want to talk about this for a second. The third Swiss goal, brilliant. It was absolutely beautiful, absolutely beautiful goal. Basically, you had ball, like ball was held up by Mbolo really well. He passed it out to Shakiri. Shakiri made a nice move inside, crossed it in, and then there was a back heel flick, and Fruller scored brilliant goal i love oh man though those goals give you goosebumps because it's just it's a perfect movement and sequence and just you know the stuff you want to see so congratulations to switzerland they were the better team in this game serbia really didn't have much going for them late in this game although they made some weird substitutions where they took off a lot of their best players and i have no idea why they took off a lot of their best players it seems weird to me that they would do that but nonetheless switzerland fully deserved it they knock out Serbia again, and so there's no revenge for Serbia this time around. The other game in the group, unfortunately because of the Switzerland result, didn't end up meaning a whole lot as Brazil ended up losing to Cameroon. Cameroon become the first team, the first African team, I should sorry, first African team to beat Brazil in a World Cup. So that's a big deal. Now, granted, it was Brazil's B team, but Cameroon won with a goal from Abubakar, who scored in the 91st minute. And unfortunately for him, he, I think he forgot he was on a yellow card because he took off his shirt when he scored the goal. And then he promptly got a second yellow card for taking off his shirt and got a red card. The referee actually like felt really bad giving him a red card, but you know he forgot he was on a yellow. But for Cameroon, they can leave with their head held high. I think they overachieved, I think, to some extent in this tournament. And they should feel proud about that. They beat Brazil. Again, the first African team to ever beat Brazil. And with that loss, actually, that meant that not a single team in the group stage went or Sorry, not a single team in the group stage won all three games. A couple teams went undefeated. But, like, 
there was no team that won all three games. That's the first time that's ever happened. And if you're wondering, yeah, I know I have one more group to talk about, but um, you can you can guess what happened with the Portugal and South Korea game. So congratulations to Brazil and Switzerland going through and advancing to the round of 16. And now we have to talk about the losers. So like I said, Cameroon should keep their head held high. I think they played pretty well considering circumstances and expectations. Serbia. Okay, so... Serbia, once again, got knocked out of the World Cup by Switzerland. It happened again. This time around, I think they should feel more upset. Because, in my opinion, their team, compared to four years ago, is a lot better. They have a lot better players, in my opinion, than they did four years ago. And they still lost to Switzerland, who I don't think are quite as good as they were four years ago. So, I think if you're, if you're a fan of Serbia, I think you have to feel upset. And you have to feel really disappointed. This team, they made some weird decisions in this game, and they just didn't play well enough. They didn't beat Cameroon. They didn't beat, Swiss, uh, they didn't beat Switzerland. They didn't beat Brazil. They finished last place in this group. It was really kind of embarrassing for Serbia at points in this tournament. So I think there needs to be a big reset on this team. Maybe there needs to be a coaching change. Maybe there needs to be some personnel changes. Like Serbia should not be doing this bad at the World Cup, especially after what they did in qualifying. So, huge disappointment for Serbia. They go out of the tournament. And now we just have one group left. Group H. In Group H, we had the rematch. We had Ghana and Uruguay. I talked about the, the history between these two teams, the 2010 World Cup game and Luis Suarez. And so, this game was really exciting. And Ghana just needed a tie. Uruguay needed the win and a little bit of help. And then... Ghana ended up uh, getting a penalty kick very early in this game. And it was Ayu who stepped up for them. And he was stopped. They missed another penalty against Uruguay. I can't even explain how heartbreaking this is. This is like PTSD trauma stuff. Now, sports trauma and sports PTSD is not the same as like regular PTSD and regular trauma. But it still sucks. It still feels awful when this stuff happens over and over and over again. It, like, just, it's awful. It's the, it's, it's such a bad feeling. It's just the worst feeling in sports. It's the worst feeling in sports when you have the team you hate the most and you get a chance and then you don't do it again. It was another penalty kick and they couldn't score again. It sucks for Ghana. It really does. And then, of course, it had it had to work this way, didn't it? Luis Suarez got two assists on goals by uh, De Aracesta, and Uruguay led 2-0. It looked like Ghana was going to go home, and Uruguay was going to advance. But little did they know, there was a little game going on between Portugal and South Korea. This game, Horta scored very early for Portugal, who rested some players in this game, but... You know, they still needed to see out to make sure they won the group. And Kim ended up tying the game in the 27th minute. If you're wondering which Kim it was, <laughs> I know there's a few of them on the South Korean team. It was kind of funny. But the goal was scored by Kim Yong-Gwan. Again, if I mispronounce any of these, I apologize. But he scored, so it was a tie game. And then very, very late. And I want to talk about this quickly. Hume Meng-Sung. 
So Song is probably the best player, almost certainly the best player South Korea has ever produced. Song is a legitimate world-class player. He unfortunately came into this tournament with an injury, and that's why he's been wearing the mask through all three of these games, is because he suffered like a facial injury, basically. And so Song's had a bit of a tough tournament. But fortunately, his team has been there to pick him up. But you know, with players like that, in big moments when your country needs you, you need to step up. You need to be the one that makes the difference. Son made the difference. It was a corner kick for Portugal. The corner got cleared away. Sung sprinted up the field, charging with the ball. He was surrounded by like four or five Portugal defenders. He drew all of them to him. He held up the ball brilliantly, waited for his teammate to make the run, and then slipped in the perfect pass for his teammate. And it was Huang who scored for South Korea to send them to the knockout stage for the first time since 2002 when they made the semifinals. And if you could see the emotion on their face, Song, li Song literally ripped off his mask after this game was over and was crying on the field. He was crying tears of joy. The South Korean team was going crazy. And like just the entire country was going crazy. Man, what a, what a moment for South Korea in this game. And Uruguay, because the Uruguay game still had like five minutes left, they realized, oh crap, South Korea scored. We're going out. And so now them and Ghana were just like basically going back and forth. And it felt like a game you were playing on the playground. Um, or not on the playground, but like a game you'd play when you were a kid, like basically on the school field, like next to the playground, where you would have a whole bunch of people just not running back. So you had like six players playing offense and like three players playing defense, but it was going both ways. And so we had Ghana and Uruguay both get like ridiculous number of chances late in this game, but they couldn't score. And so that game finished two nothing. This game finished two to one and South Korea advance alongside Portugal into the round of 16 Uruguay go home. And so for Ghana as heartbreaking and as torturous as the game must've been, I think they felt a little bit better about themselves knowing that they took Uruguay down with them, even if they couldn't quite get their revenge the way they were hoping they would. And so, congratulations to Portugal. Congratulations to South Korea. For Ghana, I think this was a young team that, you know, Kudus, again, I think played really well in this game. And they will have certainly some expectations for 2026, assuming they get there, of course. But Africa gets more slots, so... I would imagine Ghana would probably advance from the African qualifying, but obviously you never know. For the Uruguayan team, this is kind of the last ride for these old guys. Cavani, Suarez, Godin, maybe even Jimenez. Like A lot of these guys probably won't be there next time around, and so it was kind of a swan song for them. This Uruguay team needs to rebuild with young players, and they have some coming through. But now it's time to turn it over to them because not getting out of the group is not the way they wanted their tournament to end. And so that's it. That's all I got. That was the review for match day three. And the group stages are now done and dusted. We are on to the round of 16. From these last two groups, we have South Korea who play Brazil and we have Switzerland who play Portugal. So... The round of 16 kicks off on Saturday. So here are the games that we have. So on Saturday, 
First up, we have USA versus Netherlands. And then we have Argentina versus Australia. On Sunday, we have France versus Poland and England versus Senegal. On Monday, we have Japan versus Croatia and Brazil versus South Korea. And then finally on Tuesday, we have Morocco versus Spain and Portugal versus Switzerland. I will be previewing all of those games in an episode coming up later tonight. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of The World Game, a World Cup podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I will be doing reaction episodes throughout the tournament. The music is from Pixabay. The whole thing gets going on November 20th, so make sure you subscribe and don't miss a moment of the 2022 World Cup.